All right. Well, we are continuing on in our study through the Gospel of John. We are still in John chapter 5, so go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up there to John chapter 5. Last time we were together, we left off with verse 30 of chapter 5, where Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And we studied how the clear-cut purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to do the will of the Father. And we talked about how the will of the Father was the redemption of mankind. We also covered last time that Jesus and the Father are one. There is an order to the Godhead, but there is only one God consisting of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. After Jesus had healed the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, he was challenged by the Jewish men. He then took time to explain to them who he was and teach them the fact that he does have authority to do what he was doing. And by telling them in verse 23 that they should honor the Son just as they honor the Father, he was clearly stating that he is equal with the Father God. And looking now at verse 31, Jesus continues speaking to these men, and he says, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Now, remember, We studied about John the Baptist and how John was constantly deflecting attention away from himself and pointing people to Jesus. His clear-cut purpose was to get people's attention on the one who was to come. Jesus, the Messiah, was about to step onto the scene, and John was called by God to prepare the way for him. Some of the statements that John made about himself were things like, I am not the Christ. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He must increase, but I must decrease. John uttered some great words, and Jesus acknowledged John as one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, as actually the greatest prophet that ever lived. But the fulfillment of John's purpose on the earth came when he uttered those words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John testified of Jesus, and Jesus is pointing that out to these men here in chapter 5, but Jesus is also going to point out to them that he really doesn't need the testimony of man. He goes on in verse 33, You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, Yet I do not receive testimony from men, but I say these things that you may be saved. So Jesus is pointing out that he doesn't need the validation of man. The Father in heaven validated Jesus when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus didn't need John or any other man to validate him. And we need to be careful to not put ourselves in a position where we make that mistake. We seek the validation of man. Our validation is in what Jesus says about us. We don't need to be validated by man. 
You know, you can receive a thousand attaboys or girls, and it'll never be enough. And many people fall into the trap of being people pleasers. But our worth is not defined by others or what others have to say about us. Our worth was defined in the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, your worth is all wrapped up in that. God loves you that much. And the Lord desires that you and me would walk through this life content in his love. We are created in his image. And the only validation we should strive to receive is the validation of the words, well done, good and faithful servant. If our lives are based on pleasing God, then we will be totally fulfilled and completely content. And our faith in Jesus is what pleases God. But we're seeing here that Jesus was validated by God the Father, and that was the only validation he needed. John the Baptist had a purpose, and his purpose, like I said, was not to validate Jesus, but to prepare mankind for the coming of Jesus. And Jesus, speaking of John the Baptist, goes on to say here in verse 35, he was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. You see, John the Baptist was very, very popular in his day. They loved him for a short period of time. They dumped him once he was arrested by Herod, but that's the way man can be. That's the way any one of us can be. And you know, we should not place man on a pedestal. And we do a disservice to others by placing ourselves on a pedestal. How great it would be if we could be described as burning and shining lamps for Jesus. Others would look at us and say, Wow, I see Jesus shining all over that person. We should only care about shining for Jesus and not be worried about whether we shine for anyone else. Jesus wasn't worried about being pleasing to man. He knew he was pleasing to the Father. And not only did John the Baptist testify as to who Jesus is, but the miracles performed by Jesus also testified as to who he is. He tells them in verse 36 here, But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. You see, the Lord was so full of grace that he was trying to um, provide many different ways for mankind to come to know him. He sent John the Baptist, they killed him. Jesus performed signs and wonders and they persecuted him. They persecuted him, excuse me. And have you ever thought about how much time God spent trying to reach you? How many times have you seen his hand at work in your life and you've ignored it? How many times has his spirit spoken to you and warned you to change your ways, but you've kept on going down that same old path? He is full of grace and truth, and we are living in the age of grace. God is calling out to us, all of us, to place our trust completely in him and not in this world or anyone in this world. 
Our hearts must be fully relying on Him. This brings to mind, again, the quote I mentioned a couple of weeks back, I believe, from Corey Ten Boom, where she said, You'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. It's actually pretty simple to be in that position. We don't need to have a Holocaust-type event in our lives to know the presence of Jesus. The truth of the matter is that placing our faith completely in Jesus begins at the point of absolute surrender. And Jesus has gone to the greatest of lengths to show us how much He loves us and how trustworthy He really is. If we really could just get our minds off of ourselves and off of others and being pleasing to others, we'd see just how much there is in our lives that testifies of Jesus. And John the Baptist testified of Jesus. The miracles testified of Jesus. And Jesus goes on in verse 37 here to say, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. So God testified of Jesus, but these religious men didn't know God. And it's a sad thing, but today many religious people still don't know God. They know him how they have formed him to be, but they don't know him as he really is. And why don't they know him? Well, here in verse 38, Jesus said to them, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. So notice the order here. Verse 37 says that they don't know the voice of God, and verse 38 says that they don't have his word abiding in them. But verse 38 also points out that the reason they don't know it is because they don't believe in Jesus. So you see, it all begins with believing in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes into you and you begin to know the voice of God as you abide in the Word of God. Do you see that? That's the importance of the Word of God. And who is it then that teaches us the Word of God? The Holy Spirit does. Turn to John chapter 16. Okay, just to the right of where we are, same gospel here, John chapter 16. And let's start reading in verse 12. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So, there was a lot more that Jesus had to say to his disciples, but he couldn't tell it all to them at that time because he knew that they couldn't handle it. And after he left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of those who would believe in him. And what kind of work does the Holy Spirit do? Well, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, so we know it's the Holy Spirit 
that is at work within us, that we hear the voice of God, cause, uh, causes us to believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with us, in us, and upon us. And we've done that study in the past, but I encourage you to, to look that up for yourself. But um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us, how? Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? So what's being said there is, is you know what's going on inside of yourself when others don't, right? So even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, the Holy Spirit indwells believers and teaches them uh, things not that man's wisdom teaches, but rather spiritual things. And the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God, and he knows the things that have been freely given to us by God. So, the man or woman that has not been born again cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him or her because they don't have the Spirit within them. But what are these things that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us? Where can we find them? Well, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. To the right of where we are now, toward the back of your Bible, you'll come upon 1 Peter, then 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. What we're going to see here is Peter knows that his time of death was getting close. And he was speaking to believers, and he's reminding them of some things here. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Hopefully you're there. He says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be, in, I will be careful to ensure you that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 
And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For, pri- for pri- prophecy, excuse me, never came by the will of man, but, hol- but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, prophetic words came to the disciples of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit used those men to author the Word of God. But it was the Holy Spirit doing it. And those prophetic words are not for the purpose of private interpretation. That's why you don't need a man to teach you. You have the Holy Spirit within you to teach you. And the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And you have the Bible to read and to learn about the deep things of God that have been freely given to you. Do you see that? It's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. And as you listen to this teaching, if you're gaining anything or you're gaining any knowledge, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, not the work of a man. It's not the work of me, okay? This is the work of the Holy Spirit if you're gaining anything from this teaching, spiritually. And looking back now in John chapter 5, Jesus was explaining to these Jewish men that he was from the Father, and that the way for them to truly know the Father was by knowing him. He goes on to explain to them in verse 39 of John chapter 5, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now, meditate on that for a minute. Think hard on that for a minute. He said that the scriptures testify of him, but they're not willing to come to him that they might have life. Do you see how all of this ties together? Jesus is the word made flesh. The Holy Spirit is the author of the word of God. If we as believers on the earth today would just take time to come to his word, we will find the abundant life that Jesus promises us. The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, teaches us all we need to know about God. My job as a pastor and teacher is to simply point you to the Word of God, to point you to Jesus. I can do nothing else to change your heart. I can sit here, fumble over my words, this, that, and the other thing, but if it's not the Holy Spirit that's teaching you, then this is all worthless. I am simply a man in need of the Word of God myself to live a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-led life, an abundant life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is teaching these men that man-made religion is not what they need, and it's not why He came. He didn't come to, uh, to the earth to receive honor from men. And we need to be careful, like I said, that we don't put a man up in a a higher position where we say, that's where I get all of my spiritual stuff from, that one man or that one man or this pastor or that pastor. We need to stay focused that God uses men. Yes, just like he used men to to author the Bible and to write the word of God. 
Yes, he uses men. Yes, he uses men and women to teach others. But I never want to fall into the trap of teaching you things that make you look unto me. Because sometimes the word of God will just slap you upside the head. And what's going to happen then? You're going to start hating me. Well, it's not about liking me and it's not about hating me. It's about being committed to Jesus Christ. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And all that, all I'm going to do is point you there. Continue to point you back to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ and to being led by His Holy Spirit. Turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 3. You see, this brings to mind something. What we're talking about here brings to mind um, the benefits of the, of the Scripture in our lives personally. How, how, what are some of the things that the Scripture does for us in our lives? 2 Timothy chapter 3, toward the back of your Bible. You'll find all the T's in your Bible together. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there it is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And at one point of time, we all need that. We all need that in one way, shape, or form. But what's the reason that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work? And there may be days when uh, you'll listen to this Bible study and you'll not be happy with what you've heard. But the Word of God often brings reproof and correction into our lives. And uh, I'm not seeking to be honored by you, so I'm going to give it to you just as it is in the Bible. But it applies to me as well. I need the sound doctrine. I need the reproof. I need the correction. I need the instruction in righteousness that the Word of God brings. We all do. And as a pastor, I'm not going to put myself up in a position where you can't see my weaknesses, where you can't see, you know, that I'm just like you. <laughs> you know, we got to be careful with that. Turn back to John chapter 5. And let's read through the rest of the chapter. John chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus speaking says, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another? And do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, 
Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus lets these men know that the law of Moses is condemning them, and they are sticking to the letter of the law. They are completely missing the fact that Moses and the law all pointed to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law so that the curse of the law would no longer be against us. Why should we look to the things of man to find the things of God? Do not seek the honor of man. You will be terribly disappointed. While on this earth, Jesus went to great lengths to show men and women who he really was and is. Even though they persecuted him, he loved them enough to reach out to them with the truth. And today, the Holy Spirit does the same thing. To the world, he testifies of Jesus and his love. To the believer, he speaks within us, encouraging us to keep pressing on in Jesus. Mankind will disappoint you and turn their back on you. But Jesus is ever faithful and ever true. Your flesh may not always like the work that the Holy Spirit does, but at the end of the day, we can trust that God is working in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let's turn uh, to Philippians chapter 2. To the right of where we are right now. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. We'll begin reading in verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming into the likeness of men, and or excuse me, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. And you know, that's how you're going to shine, when you hold fast the word of life. Jesus said that John the Baptist was a burning and a shining lamp. John testified of Jesus. The works Jesus did testified of Jesus, and the Father testified of Jesus. How about you and me? Are we holding fast to the Word of God? 
Are we a burning and a shining lamp for Jesus? Or do you care too much about being pleasing to others? You see, to redeem us from this world, God made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men, but he also humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. All of that he did for you and for me. And we should be shining lamps for Jesus Christ and not seeking to be honored by men and women. I want us to close today by looking at Proverbs chapter 3. Very familiar verses. Go ahead and turn back there in the Old Testament to Proverbs. And we're going to turn to chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to read verses 5 through 12. And I'm just going to go ahead and start. So if you're not there, maybe you can just listen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. So, just like your earthly father or your earthly parents will correct you because they love you, they delight in you, God corrects us. He chastens us. And he does it through his word. His word is profitable for that correction, for that instruction in righteousness, for that reproof. But we are to be people that do not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge the Lord. And don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've arrived. Don't think you've got it all figured out. You need to be a person that is led by the Holy Spirit each and every day of your life. Because when you think you got it figured all out, you end up just messing everything up and messing everyone else up. And we need to honor the Lord with our possessions, all that we have. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I encourage you again, study your words, stick close to your words, hold fast to the word of life, Jesus Christ, and let your light shine in this world. God bless, and thanks again for listening.